we are, we're jumping into a new series this morning. It's called Up, Upside Down Kingdom, Upside Down Kingdom. And this really comes from uh, one of the verses that, we, that, that I uh, left off with last week uh, as we were around the Lord's table, as we came around uh, the Lord's ta- table and we talked about the importance of the table in our lives. How many of you practiced gathering around the table at some point this week? You got some people around the table and you did life together, you rubbed shoulders, you let them into your life and hopefully they let you into their life. And uh, you know, we were talking about the table and the significance of that last week and what happened around the Lord's table. And Jesus made a, a comment, he made a declaration to his disciples as they were sitting around the table, they were arguing about which one of them was going to be considered the greatest. And Jesus turned their whole focus and he said, listen, I, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And so we're going to jump right in there this morning because what happened is Jesus entered the, the world and he, he brought with him a new kingdom, uh, his own kingdom, and it, it was a, a kingdom that looked very different than the rest of the world, still looks very different from the world today, amen? And uh, we, are, we are given the opportunity to be part of his kingdom, this upside down kingdom, and we're going to take some time looking at that over the next few weeks. But before we jump in today, uh, would you just bow your hearts and your, and your head with me? And we'll, let's pray and invite God again to open our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you like we do every week. We thank you for the power of your word, the transformation power of your word. God, we thank you that it changes us because, God, you know we need changing. There are lots of things about us, Lord, that need to be shaped and molded and changed. God, if we're to look like you, if we are to resemble and reflect you to the world around us, we all have things that need to be changed. We need, we need to, 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 to adjust some things in our lives. And so, God, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I hope, Lord, that we've come this morning. My prayer is that we would, in this time, that we would be open to, to whatever you want to do in us, Lord, that we would be open to your word and and. God, that we would be willing to allow our lives to be shaped by it this morning. God, would you sow something in our hearts from your word this morning that would help to to challenge us to something new? God, I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and our minds both, Lord, to receive all that you want us to this morning from your word. And God, as I often pray, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way so that you could have your way in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Kingdoms are, are interesting. Um, I, I know I have, uh, I've got one person in the house today uh, that is from the kingdom of Eswatini. Where are you at? I don't, I'm not trying to, there she is right there. Uh, we greeted each other this morning in Siswati. I had to turn the Amharic off and think for a moment to be able to do it because how many of you know one language is enough, two is almost impossible, three is like, come on. And all of you who speak five or six, you're like, please, this is nothing. But for me, anyway, but um, I, we, we spent eight years in what was then uh, Swaziland, what is now known as the Kingdom of Iswatini. And uh, it's, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's the last true monarchy in the world. And it's an interesting place to live. And uh, as is any kingdom, just the, the, the variation of life and how things work in a kingdom. And I know there aren't as nearly as many kingdoms in the world today as there were in Jesus' time, but, uh, but I want us to, to take a look at this idea of a kingdom. You know, kingdoms 
are all about who? The king. It's their kingdom, right? And, and it was really interesting the years that we lived in Swaziland, especially as we were learning about the culture of the kingdom of Eswatini. And, and you know, it, we couldn't help but notice that there were some very troubling situations in the, the kingdom of Eswatini. There, there were some challenges that we just felt, man, why doesn't the government do something about it? Why doesn't the king do something about this? And I'll never forget, it was probably in the first six months that we were living in Swaziland, and, and I was asking one of my new Swazi friends uh, about this issue and asking, why doesn't the king do something about this? Why, why, why doesn't the king get involved with this problem, this situation? And the response of this Swazi friend of mine, was, it just it shocked me blew me away. What they said to me was, no, you don't understand. We're here to serve the king, not the other way around. And I was like, oh, I grew up in a very different environment. <laughs> but kingdoms are interesting. They are all about the king. If it's a true kingdom, it's all about the king. And what the king says, what the king wants, that's what goes, right? And, and, and so as we consider uh, kingdoms and really what makes kingdoms successful over you know, uh, centuries and over eons of time, what, what makes kingdoms successful, or at least what they believed made kingdoms successful, was measured on how much power they could have and how they could take over the neighboring kingdoms. And, and so there was this struggle for land and, and overtaking one another. And what's interesting is that when Jesus entered the scene amongst all kinds of kingdoms in the world at that time, he ushered in a brand new kingdom. And the kingdom that he ushered into this world was completely different. In fact, that's where we come up with the title of the message. It was an upside-down kingdom. It looked so different from any other kingdom that, that it was almost unrecognizable. In fact, for many people, the way that Jesus had to teach them to understand his kingdom, the kingdom of God, it, it took re repetition and it took a lot of time and energy and effort to help them to understand that the kingdom that he was bringing to this world was not like any other kingdom that they'd ever seen or experienced. The kingdom that he was ushering into this world was a kingdom of servitude, serving, service. I, I read a quote this week that said, we are never more like Jesus than when we serve others. That's a powerful thought, powerful statement. And I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that statement because uh, Jesus told us as we looked at that passage last week that he, he told his disciples and we read it in his word and as we determine, as we commit our lives to following Jesus, Jesus said, listen, this is what you should be doing. You shouldn't look like the rest of the world. You shouldn't look like the other kingdoms, but you sh this is how you should look. And, and he demonstrated, he modeled for them a life of serving. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. In fact, every time that this discussion around greatness, you know, we, we, we look at kingdoms and we measure their greatness based on a, a, a worldly lens. And Jesus said, listen, that's not how we're going to judge greatness. Every time greatness came up in the conversation, we talked about this a little bit last week, in case you weren't with us, they were arguing about who's going to be the greatest. 
And every time we hear this subject of greatness or success come up in Scripture, where, when Jesus was present, Jesus turned the, the conversation and he began to define greatness. He began to define success through the lens of serving others. Upside down from the, the way that the world functions even today, how it functioned then. Serving requires us to think less or to think of ourselves less. I, I want to just put this on the screen because I, get, I keep, every time I try to say it, I get my tongue twisted because it's kind of a play on words. Serving requires us to think of ourselves less, not less of ourselves. If we understand our identity as we come to belong to the kingdom of God, we talked about being part of the family of God. When we understand our identity in Christ and who we are, who God has created us to be, and that we are becoming that, if we think less of ourselves, sometimes we think, oh yeah, I just got to be, you just got to, you know, I, don't, I just think, you know, this lowly spirit and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really nothing, I'm not any, no, Christ has made us a new creation, and as we begin to understand that, it's not about thinking less of ourselves, it's about thinking about ourselves less. Does that make sense? Is that clear? Are you with me this morning? And so I want to just prime the pump this morning that sometimes, I've shared this illustration many times, but I know that we have a lot of new people in the house, and I love this illustration. So if you've heard it three or four or 10 times, bear with me for those who are new in the room. Some of us, many of us in the room, most of us in the room, we don't really think of ourselves as selfish because we don't like to think of ourselves as selfish. But it's funny how often we think of ourselves. Um, And so here's the illustration just to point out that we all have this tendency towards selfishness, towards self-centeredness. If I were to gather us all together and we got everybody situated and we took a group photo and then we put the group photo on the screens or we blew up a big banner and put it on the wall, when you look at that photo, guess whose face you're going to look for first? (laughs) Yep, every one of us. I mean, unless you're like completely infatuated with somebody else in the room, then you might think about them. But the reason you're thinking about them is because of you. <laughs> we're, we're selfish. In fact, if we take it one, one step further, you'll judge that photo before you look at anybody else in the photo. You'll judge it as good or bad based on how you look in the photo. Ooh, I like that photo. Oh, I didn't notice everybody else's eyes were closed. <laughs> I look great. So we're, we're just naturally selfish people. That, that's the flesh that we are born with. We're born into a sinful, broken world. And because of that, there's this selfishness that comes in. And so Jesus understood that he needed to come and teach his disciples to think, think about themselves less often. Not think less of themselves, but to understand their identity, but to think of themselves less, less often. To think of others. And so he taught us over and over again. There's a couple of things that I want to, to begin with this morning because we can't do this on our own. It's why every time I share that illustration, we, we get a laugh out of it because it's still true today. It's as true today as it was the last time I told it. Every time a photo comes up, if I know I'm in it, I want to see my face. And so that doesn't change. And so we, we know that we cannot become selfless by ourselves. We can do our part, we have to do our part, but there are a couple of tools, there are a couple of things that really help us to make this shift from selfish to selfless. And the two critical helpers, the two critical things that help us with this are the Holy Spirit 
and the Bible. I just called, I just called the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, I, I just didn't even acknowledge that it's a person, right? We understand that the, the, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's part of the, uh, of the, the triune God, God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So please forgive me, Holy Spirit. I didn't mean to refer to you as a thing. But the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit is a, is a help to us to make this shift from selfish to selfless. And the other thing is God's word. How many of you know that God's word is alive? This is not a static book that was written hundreds of years ago that you just, you know, oh, let's see if there's anything good in here. No, it's alive. And it shapes our lives if we will allow it. And it can help us to make the shift from being selfish to selfless. I want us to look at Matthew chapter 20 today. There's a few verses that I want to emphasize, uh, starting in verses, uh, verse 25 and moving through verse 28. I'm re- reading from the New Living Translation this morning. If you've got your smartphone or your real Bible or the screen in front of you, you can follow along with us this morning. Verse 25. So let me just, let me just give the, um, rather than reading all of this, so... Um, so what we, what we know about the, these verses is that um, we have uh, the, uh, the mother of two of the disciples who comes to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, and by the way, she came with her sons, so the three of them are there. We don't know if there were others. Obviously, some, at some point, they heard about the conversation. The other disciples heard about the conversation because the Bible tells us that they were indignant. You know what indignant means? Indignant is like righteous anger. It's like they, they were not happy about the conversation. So here's what happened. This mother comes with her sons, and she's worried about who's going to be greatest, too. And so she brings her, her two boys, and she's like, Jesus, can you do me a favor? Jesus is like, well, what is it? I really want you to do me a favor for my sons. When, when you enter into your kingdom, I want... I want you to promise me that one will be seated at your right and one will be seated at your left. And uh, Jesus basically says, hey, listen, that's not for me to determine. God's already determined that. And, and then he moves into this passage that we read after we see the disciples becoming mad. They're angry. They're indignant about the conversation that happened that how dare you would even ask that. I should be considered for that position, right? So they're upset, and that's where we pick up the story. In verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them together, and he said, You know that the rulers of the world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Among who? Among the disciples. Among the disciples, he's declaring, It's going to be different. Listen, if you're going to follow me, if you want to be part of my kingdom... It's not going to be like you see it in the world. In other words, I have ushered in a new kingdom, a different kingdom, an upside-down kingdom, and it's going to look different than what you've seen in the world. He goes on to say, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. A ransom? Like, was somebody kidnapped? Yes, all of us were kidnapped by sin and brokenness. And Jesus came 
ushered in his upside-down kingdom, and he said, listen, I have come to seek and to save those of you who are lost. That's all of us. We all started in that place. And if you haven't discovered Jesus this morning, maybe today is your, th- that beautiful day. I was going to say lucky, but there's no, nothing lucky about it. There's no coincidence about it. Jesus has been pursuing you through the power of the Holy Spirit, and he wants you to understand that there's a place for you in his kingdom, not only around his table, but in his kingdom. You know, uh, I heard another quote as I was preparing for today, and um, it was this. If selfishness is the disease that we face, service is the antidote. Ooh, that's powerful. I like that. It, 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 we, we don't have to say if because selfishness is a disease that we all wrestle with. We've already established that this morning. Some of you, some of you are still not sure. I really don't see myself as selfish. Well, just allow God to continue to do his work in you, and eventually you'll come to realize that we think of ourselves, we all think of ourselves far too often, and we ought to think of him, and we ought to think of others far more than we do. If selfishness is the disease we face, service is the antidote. I, I want to just um, share an illustration with you this morning. I, I think probably most of you in the room have one of these. It's called a passport. Everybody have a passport? Anybody, anybody not have a passport? No, you don't have to raise your hand. I think, I think most of us in the room have a passport, and you know what's interesting about these little passports is they identify us with a nation, right? What's interesting about if, uh, U.S. passport holders is um, if you decide to pursue citizenship in another nation, they require you to turn in this one. So they don't want you to identify as a citizen of multiple nations. I know there are some unique situations where you can have dual citizenship, um, but, but what, what this, little, this little book does is it identifies me with a citizen of the United States of America, even though I haven't lived there long-term in 16 years. Uh, I, I, that's my citizenship. That's part of my identity. I am a U.S. citizen. And so, um, whew, man, it's too bad they only change these pictures every 10 years. <laughs> I'm way better looking now than I was in this bit. No, I'm just how many of you love the picture in your passport? No, you don't have to answer that. <laughs> you, you like go to get your photo and you're, le- you're like, uh, oh, you already took it. Good. All right. I <laughs> hope it's good. Uh, but this is part of our identity, these, this passport. And, and I, I want to propose today that, that we, we, you know, there's only uh, one original passport. You can make a fake. I mean, you know, you watch the movies and they have fake passports and, and uh, all kinds of interesting things like that. But there's really only one uh, original. And I, I want to propose this morning that we have an original spiritual passport as well. And that original spiritual passport for each one of us identifies us with the kingdom of sin and brokenness. And, you know, if there were stamps in our spiritual passport, we could go back and look at where we've been, and we go, we go, oh, yeah, pride. Had to check in to pride there. Haven't checked out yet. Um, I, or, or maybe it's uh, selfishness, right? Like uh, a few more pages. Oh, yeah, I got an extension on my selfishness visa. <laughs> you know, we, we, have, we, we were born into a spiritual identity of sin, 
and brokenness. But the good news this morning today is that Jesus came ushering in a new kingdom, a new spiritual kingdom, and there's an opportunity for you to get a new passport, a new passport where the stamps in the passport don't read pride and selfishness and other kinds of sin, but instead it reads generous and loved by God and forgiven and all kinds of beautiful things where the, the, the journey that God wants to take us on spiritually. He wants to put some beautiful stamps in our identity, in our spiritual identity passport, and he wants us to change who and how, who we identify with and how we identify ourselves. That's what Jesus has come to do when he ushered in his new kingdom. He said, listen, I want you to have a new passport. I want you to identify with me and with my kingdom. That's good news. If you haven't, if you haven't taken him up on that offer, we're going to give you a chance at the end of our service today to get a new passport, a new spiritual passport. Amen? What, what does it look like then to live as part of God's upside-down kingdom? There are several things, and we're going to look at a few of them over the next few weeks, but um, those things that we want to look at from God's word, they're completely contrary to the way the world tells us that we're supposed to live or who we're supposed to be or what success looks like. And today I want us to focus in on this idea of serving. I want us to focus on what Jesus said he came to do, and that was to serve. If we go back and look at Matthew chapter 20 again, the final verse, verse 28 tells us something about Jesus and the life that he came to live. If we can throw that last verse up on the screen. Um, next one, there we go. For even the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking of himself. If you've got the red letter edition, you know this is Jesus talking to his disciples. And he says, for even the Son of Man, referring to himself, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve others. So there's the serve part. And then he said, and to give his life, to give his life as a ransom for many, serving our lives away. Jesus served his life away. He gave his life. He laid it down for us, for you and for me, and he served his life away. And if we choose to be part of his new kingdom, this new spiritual kingdom, get a new passport and allow God to begin to put the stamps in the passport and, and allow him to designate our destination and where he wants us to be and what he wants us to become, there are some things that being a part of serving our lives away, it, those things, are, we, we are invited into some things and I want to just uh, identify three of those things that we're invited to do as we serve our lives, as we determine to serve our lives away the way Jesus did. Number one, we're invited to choose humility over pride. Choose humility over pride. The way the person, I, I, I hope that you recognize that what, what we're talking about today is not the way the world lives, right? We're not called to live the way the world lives. In fact, we're called to to be light in darkness. We're called to come out of the darkness and into the light. We're called to live as aliens, as strangers in this world. What, what Christ calls us to is upside down from what you've probably heard in the influence of the world around you. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in what? In humility value others above 
yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. How many of you know that's easier to read than it is to live? We, we read it and we, we, oh yeah, I've heard that before, but, but how many of us are, are actually living it? How many of us are willing to serve our lives away for somebody else? You know, pride is, pride is a dangerous, dangerous uh, thing in our lives. And I think it's part of the reason that Jesus calls us to die to ourselves because he recognizes that the sin and the brokenness that comes from sin are so much a part of us that he calls us to die to the, those old things so that we can live new in him, through him. But pride, pride is an imposter, an imposter. You know what an imposter is, right? Uh, someone who's not supposed to be there, someone who's pretending that they're supposed to be there, but they're not supposed to be there. And pride is an, impost, an imposter in our lives that pretends that it can promote our lives. Pride pretends that it can promote our lives. But pride's, really, pride's only power is to prevent you from becoming what God desires you to become. Think about that for a minute. Pride oftentimes gets in the way derails, distracts, helps us to put the spotlight on us rather than on who it's supposed to be, and that would be on Jesus, the king of our kingdom. But we like to shine the floodlight on ourselves, and pride puffs us up, and pride tells us that it can promote us in life, but the reality is the only power that pride has is to prevent you from becoming who God wants you to become. You know, pride is what kept Satan uh, from his, his eternity in heaven. It's, it's, it's how Satan got kicked out of heaven, uh, you know, because Satan thought that he should be equal with God. And so as soon as he tried to position himself to be equal with God, guess what? Now you're out forever, eternity. It, it, you've been separated from God, and God forbid that that would happen to any of us. But that's what pride does. Pride comes in and it, and it tries, to help us, tries to tell us that it can promote us and get us where we want to be. But ultimately, if we live in a kingdom and we're here to serve the king, then it's not what we want or what we want to become, but it's what he wants and what he wants us to become. Amen? Serving our lives away invites us to choose humility over pride. And secondly, it invites us to redefine what greatness looks like. It, it invites us to redefine what success looks like. I know there probably aren't too many basketball uh, fans in the room. Can I just see? I just need to know. Who's a basketball fan? Any basketball fans in the room? All right, eight of you. Good. Uh, so this will be a really powerful illustration for you this morning. Um, no. Anybody heard of LeBron James? Any, any, okay. Oh, there's more fans in the room than I thought there were. Um, so interestingly enough, there's, a, there's this big de debate around who is the GOAT, right? The greatest of all time. When we're, I'm talking about basketball. And there's this big debate. Well, not long ago, uh, LeBron James made a public statement that he believed that something he did was what made him the greatest of all times. Like toot your own horn, right? Like, wow. I, you know, I think there have been people who've said um, that the greatest is probably not the one who declares themselves the greatest, but who others declare to be the greatest. Anyway, I don't know. I, I'm not against LeBron James. I think he's a phenomenal basketball player. But 
um, you know, there, as soon as he makes that declaration, what do all the Michael Jordan fans start to say? Psh, greatest of all times. Are you kidding me? Show me your championships. I'll show you who's the greatest, right? And so now, now, but what are they doing? They're doing the same thing that he was doing, but they're just doing it in another direction. And so it's just interesting what happens when we start to have these conversations around success, when we start to have these conversations around greatness, we start to sound a lot like the disciples did or a lot like that mother who brought her two sons. Hey, these guys deserve a place at the right and at the left, right? Can you give me a favor, God? And so greatness, success, like it's really interesting how we determine what, it, what greatness is, what success is. Let, let me just give you some more examples. You've heard of the, the Forbes list of billionaires? Success, right? Of course, Forbes list of, I mean, I'm, they made the magazine, right? Not to mention they are billionaires, so, you know, successful. Or how about the same, same uh, Forbes, how about Forbes' um, 100 most powerful women and how we define success? Powerful women. Or one of my, one of my favorites is um, People's Magazine, Sexiest Man Alive. <laughs> how... It's just interesting how we define success, how, how we define greatness. But that's the way the world defines it, right? And, and what's unfortunate about that is we buy into the lies, don't we? We, we go, oh, yeah, he's sexy. Good job. Like, I'm not sure what you did to be that, but good job, right? Instead of Wow, God does all things well. <laughs> Are you with me this morning? I wasn't even trying to be funny on that one, but... <laughs> what, what, if, what if success was defined differently? What, what, if, uh, what if the magazine article was um, the top 100 most mediocre people in the world? No, we, you see, because that doesn't make sense, because why, why? It doesn't make sense because we've allowed the world to define great what we call successful. We've allowed the world def to define what we call greatness rather than what Jesus says is great. And Jesus said, you want to be great? You got to become a servant. You, you want to be first? You need to be a, become a slave. It was exactly the opposite of what the world was trying to define as greatness. And Jesus flipped it on its head, turned the kingdom upside down, and he said, listen, this is how you need to live. And in order to do this, we've got to redefine how we view the lens that we view greatness through. Why do, we, why do we give credit or why do we validate one person and we discredit or, or completely ignore somebody else? It's because the world has said this one's great and this one's not. And, and we, if we're going to live the way Jesus calls us to live in his upside down kingdom, we have got to redefine what greatness and what success looks like. We need to give honor where honor is due. And let me tell you that the honor is not due where the world says it's due. Let's, let's look at the, 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 the lives of people through the same lens that Jesus looked at people through. He gave his life up. He gave his life as a ransom. 
He gave his life. He laid his life down for sinners, notorious sinners. Remember that? He laid his life down for people who the world said, why are you eating with such scum? That's who he served. That's who he gave his life for. He gave his life for you and for me because we all started in that place, notorious sinners. The third thing that serving our lives away invites us to is to join Jesus on his mission. His mission to do what, Pastor Doug? Certainly not to lord it over people. I know Jesus, you don't. Why, why, why does that happen? And I know that we don't necessarily say that, but why is that the perspective of the world? Can I just tell you that there are some people who view the church that way? They go, oh, hypocrites. They think that they're better than everybody else. Oh, yeah, you have Jesus and I don't. Like, big like there's, they, they look at the church. Why do they look at the church and have that attitude? Why do some people feel that way? I believe that it's because of the way that the church has viewed people perhaps through the wrong lens of success, the wrong lens of greatness. And, and it, it's an invitation to us to join Jesus on his mission to help bring healing to a broken world. It's an invitation to join Jesus on his mission. That's how some people view the church. Like, oh, they don't care about anybody. They only care about themselves. They're only glad that they found Jesus and there's no room. That's why it's such a big deal for us, this idea of embracing, welcoming, making people feel like they are loved because they are. And whether we love them yet or not, God loves them. And so we need to demonstrate that love to the people around us. We're invited to join Jesus on his mission. Listen, we're we are not going to be the people who everybody on the outside looks in and goes, bunch of hypocrites. No, let's live our lives in a way that demonstrates the love of Jesus. Let's live our lives in this upside down kingdom that looks completely different from the world. Let's not be conformed to the patterns of the world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we renew our mind? We learn what Jesus' upside-down kingdom looks like, and we begin to live our lives in line with his kingdom. People who don't need Jesus, they don't need to see us at our worst. They need to see Jesus at his best in us. But unfortunately... Sometimes they do see the worst, don't they? And I'm not calling us to perfection because we know that's not possible or we wouldn't need a savior. It's not about perfection, it's about direction. It's about living our lives in the direction that Jesus has called us, on mission with him to bring healing to a broken world, to bring healing to hurting people, to help people to understand that there is a God who loves them, and who wants them to have a new passport. Not a passport that identifies them with brokenness and sin, but a new passport that identifies them with wholeness, with love, with peace, with things that God defines as greatness, not the world. I want to conclude by just talking about some possible steps that you could take this morning after hearing this message around this upside down kingdom that Jesus came to introduce. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I didn't know I could have a new passport. Where do I sign up? 
Maybe you recognize that your spiritual passport identifies you with brokenness and sin. Maybe sin has got such a grip on your life and you just do not know how to get past it. Can I tell you this morning that the blood of Jesus that he shed on a cross similar to that one came to wash over you, to set you free. We sang about it this morning, that the chains have been broken. There may be some in the room this morning, you're bound by chains of sin in your life and you don't know how to get free. I can tell you this morning that the only way you'll ever find freedom is through Jesus Christ. He came to break the chains of bondage and sin in your life. If you're here this morning and you would say, I want a new spiritual passport. Mine, I've looked at the stamps and they're not pretty. I don't like where I've been and I want a new start. If that's you this morning, I wanna pray with you in just a minute and I'll give you an opportunity to respond to that. Maybe if that's you, maybe this morning you want to say, by faith, I choose to accept the ransom that was paid for me by Jesus' death on the cross and by his resurrection. I want to exchange my broken life, which is where we all started. Nobody in the room didn't start with brokenness. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, I want to exchange my broken life for the new life that Jesus offers. I want a new passport. The Bible calls that salvation. And maybe you're here this morning and you know you need that. We're gonna pray with you in just a moment, but I wanna keep moving through these. Maybe another step this morning is to take inventory of your life. Maybe this morning it's time to look and to determine where pride or where selfishness has left a toxic residue on your life. And it's time to ask the Holy Spirit to help remove that and to replace it with humility. 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 Considering others before I consider myself. Thinking of myself less often. Not thinking less of myself because I know who I am in Christ. I know what my passport identifies me as. I'm a child of God. Not thinking less of myself, but just thinking of myself less Often, replacing what selfishness and what pride have left as toxic residue in my life and asking Jesus to replace that this morning with humility. Third, a third step this morning could be that you might say, I want to live my life like Jesus by serving my life away. And I'm gonna do that this week by fill in the blank. How are you gonna serve? What are you gonna do to make practical this challenge to serve? I know serving's not always popular. I know that many in the room are like, but I'm so busy. Listen, you're not any more busy than the person sitting next to you. We all have the same number of hours. It's just what you decide to do with those hours. What do you value? Do you value kingdom principles, God's kingdom principles, or do you value world principles, values, those things? And it's just a matter of how we allocate our time, what we decide to do with it, what are our values, and how do we express those values in the way that we live? Now, don't get me wrong. I know we are busy people. We're all busy people. But Jesus said, I came not to be served, but to serve, and invited us to reflect him to the world around us. You know, it doesn't have to be some ginormous, is that even a word? 
some ginormous, it doesn't have to be some monumental thing. We don't have to take on all of the service projects that we've ever had a thought of doing. It could be something really small, really simple. Can I tell you that um, last week, I made a really simple comment about something that I was craving. I was craving scones, thanks to Kayla Olson. Kayla Olson makes some, some killer scones. But I made a comment about craving scones. And I think it was the next day I walked into the kitchen. I don't know why I'm getting emotional about this. Probably because serving is powerful. I walked into the kitchen. Sorry. My daughter's making scones. Some of you are like, so what? They're scones. Why are you crying about scones? It's not about the scones. It's about the response of service. It's about the way people feel when they express a desire or a need and we respond to serve. It doesn't have to be massive. It's the small things that communicate I, I, I hear you, I love you, I believe in you, I care about you, even scones for crying out loud, right? I mean, what are the things that we can do to serve people around us? Why? Because serving demonstrates the love that Christ demonstrated for us. It doesn't have to be massive. We don't have to do everything all in one moment. But what if we just started to do a couple of little things to live more like Jesus and to serve the world around us. I want to say a prayer this morning to conclude our time together. I've written it out this morning because I feel like there were some specific things that stood out to me that I wanted to pray, and I want to pray for anybody in the room who's ready to receive a new spiritual passport this morning. And so I'm going to ask that everyone bow your heads this morning just to give a little bit of privacy to anybody who might want to respond this morning to say, you know what, my spiritual passport, the one that I'm carrying right now, identifies me with sin and brokenness, and I'm tired of being identified that way. I want to be identified as free. I want to be identified as forgiven. I want to be identified as a child of God. That passport is available to you this morning if you want to receive it. And if that's you this morning, I'm just going to begin to scan the room and I'm going to ask you to make eye contact with me. Say, Pastor Doug, would you pray for me? I want to receive that this morning. I want new life in Jesus this morning. If that's you, just look at me. Make eye contact with me. And if I look past you and I don't see you, just slip your hand up to get my attention so that I can pray with you this morning. I'm starting on your left, moving across the middle and to the right. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? A couple back there. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand back there. Over to your right, on the right side here. Anybody desiring to have that this morning? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray, and I'm going to pray for all of us this morning. A very simple prayer. Jesus, we want to live like you by serving others. Thank you for the person and the power of the Holy Spirit who leads us into new citizenship. New citizenship. 
We didn't deserve it. We couldn't earn it. God, you didn't have to love us, but you did. And your Holy Spirit leads us into new citizenship in your upside-down kingdom. God, would you teach us to think of ourselves less often and think of others more? God, we want our lives to be marked by humility. We want our lives to be marked by grace. Today, Lord, we accept your invitation to join you on your mission to bring healing to a broken world that is all around us. God, would you help us to introduce our friends, to introduce our families, to introduce our coworkers, to introduce our fellow students that we go to school with or our neighbors. God, would you help us to introduce them to your amazing upside-down kingdom? And God, for any in the room this morning who raised their hand or who make eye contact with me, desiring to receive this new spiritual passport, God, I thank you that your word tells us that we can't be identified with both, Lord. If we have received what you've done for us on the cross, if we put our faith in you, we believe in Jesus and what Jesus did for us, then the old has become new. We have to get rid of the old passport because we're now seen through the righteousness of Jesus. And he, he gave his perfect life for us. He laid it down and now we are covered. Our sins have been forgiven. And Lord, we have a new life. And I thank you for that new life that you give to us, that new spiritual passport. I thank you, God, that brokenness becomes whole. I thank you, God, that hurts are healed. I thank you, God, that we can trade in all the ugly for beautiful. God, I thank you this morning for the decisions that have been made to lay aside the old identity and to be made new in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for the decisions that are made in the room this morning. God, I thank you that you also give your Holy Spirit and you've given your word to be a help to us to know what it looks like to live in your upside down kingdom. We give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you made a decision this morning and you raised your hand or you looked at me, we would love to pray with you. We have some materials that we would love to put in your hands. Myself and some of our team will be here at the front for you. And I want to ask you, I know it might be a, a, a little difficult. Maybe you're a little bit shy or timid, but don't be timid. Listen, all of heaven rejoices when we make that decision to receive Christ. And so we want to celebrate with you. We want to say a prayer with you and put some stuff in your hands this morning before you leave. So please allow us to do that if you would. Uh, if you're really not comfortable to come to the front, then you can pick up the material that I'm talking about at the hub on your way out this morning. But please, please let us know about this decision that you've made this morning and allow us to come alongside as the family of God to walk with you in this new journey as God begins to stamp some new beautiful things in your passport. Amen. We love you. We believe in you. God bless. Have a great week.